Hi, Tiffany here. Just want to let you know that we're going to be giving away a copy of the book featured on this episode. So visit our Instagram page at the Bittersweet Life Podcast to find out how you can win. This is The Bittersweet Life. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and I moved to Rome for just a year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. That adventure might inspire you to do something crazy, like quit your stable job and move to Rome for just one year. And my co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer and author of Midnight in the Piazza. And she's also an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with the determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in the sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. And if you've listened to the show for years, consider a donation. Your financial support is huge to us. In fact, I can't think of a donation to anywhere that would be more appreciated than what it will be to us. We'll send you a handwritten thank you note, and in addition to helping us pay hosting fees and other bills, your support will help us grow the show, which is absolutely the key to this program continuing in the years to come. So if you love it, if we make your life a little better, please pay whatever you can to support the art that you enjoy. Visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop and click the donate button, or tweet us at bittersweetpod and we'll send you a link. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Wow, Katie, it feels like I haven't talked to you in ages. <laughs> I know. You've been away for so many weeks. Do you want to tell everybody what you've been up to? Uh, Which makes it again. sound like it's something really exciting. but <laughs> Yes, very exciting. I, w- I got sick again. I don't... I don't know. It's been a hard winter. Yeah. So I've been sick a lot. It doesn't usually happen to me, but this winter, I just, it was like a chain event, lots of things going on and a combination of emotional stress, no sleep and antibiotics making me get sick again. Unpleasant, but hopefully it's behind me. Spring is just around the corner. It's gorgeous here in Rome right now. Is it? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful here in San Francisco as well. So I definitely feel sorry for the various people who have been writing in saying, I'm in a foot of snow. I'm in freezing cold temperatures. Yeah. Here it's been a little windy, but it's been sunny and uh, about mid 50s. Nice. Nice. Can't complain about that for winter time. Yeah, it's been great. It's been really great. So hopefully I'm on the mend. Everything will be better from here on out, I'm hoping. And I'm, I'm experimenting with some immune-boosting natural remedies. So we'll see how those work out. Nice. Yeah, you know, the one benefit, or I should say the one sadness of being a podcaster over being on the actual radio is that if you had gotten the kind of illness that you got and we worked at an actual radio station, people would have insisted 
that you didn't come in and you would have gotten paid for it at the same time. Because <laughs> oh, people don't want to lose their voices. Well, that's right, because Tiffany had a, some respiratory stuff going on where your voice was affected. And the last thing a radio announcer wants is for their voice to be affected. And right. so if you have anything that could possibly do that to the rest of the radio station, you are persona non grata. And you got to stay home. 100% not welcome at work. Yes. Yeah, that's a nice bonus. Yeah, it is nice. It's also great, too, because you know how sometimes you get a cold? I shouldn't admit this, maybe. Oh, well. <laughs> sometimes you get that cold, and it really, really affects your voice, but you don't actually feel that bad. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen? It's rare. Obviously, you're kind of tired anyway, but occasionally you get that thing where you sound terrible, and you're definitely contagious, but you don't feel that awful. Yeah. And those are the best days. I can't work and I have the energy to like go do my errands or something <laughs> like that. Great. Best of both worlds. Yeah. So in addition to not getting paid to podcast for the most part, you also don't get paid days off of work. So, oh, well, maybe we made some bad choices in life, but I like to think we didn't. Well, I do get paid days off work actually for my day job. You did? Oh my gosh. Yes. Italy is very generous with sick days. Yeah, that's right. They're basically unlimited. As long as your doctor says you need to be at home, you are at home. There's like some limit. It's like six months or something. Like you can't miss more than six months a year. <laughs> crazy. That seems reasonable. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I had to stay home actually. Like, I was so sick. I haven't been this sick probably in five years. Wow. Yeah. Because I had a fever. I don't get fevers. Most adults don't really get fevers unless they're really, really sick. Like kids get fevers all the time. Yeah. But I mean, I don't remember the last time I'd had a fever felt like I was going to die. So I'm glad that's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the one downside to that wonderful system of getting as many days off as you want is that morning when you have the fever, actually having to drag yourself to a doctor's office to get the permission. Yes. That's hard. Mm -hmm. That's hard. That is hard. First of all, I should say it's not as many days off as you want. <laughs> it's as many days off as the doctor thinks that you need. Yes. So it's not exactly like that but yeah but you can go I think the next day like if you're feeling really really too sick on a Monday I think they can make it retroactive just by one day only I think but yeah it is kind of annoying to have to go out to the doctor yeah but still but still it's better than you know having counted days like if you use them then you're screwed yeah yeah that's true all right so actually though this is not what we're talking about today no no uh, although I'm glad we cleared that up because you have been gone for a while, so people were getting concerned. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. But you're back. I'm back. Yes. We had some great guests in the meantime, so I don't think any of us suffered. Let's no. just admit it. We weren't suffering, except for you with a fever. <laughs> so <laughs> I was suffering. You were not. That's right. And I mean, I'm sure you were happy not to have to hear me coughing. Oh, I always like to hear you coughing. Well, I'm still coughing a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've always coughed. I've been coughing for the last six months. I'm sure you're used to it by now. All <laughs> right. So today... What we're talking about is travel regrets. Mm -hmm. What I mean by travel regrets is not necessarily, oh, you know, this catastrophe happened to me while I was traveling, but something that either you did do or more likely something you didn't do regarding a travel situation, regarding a trip that you have always regretted and you still regret to this day. Right. The reason that I came up with this idea was because I don't know about anyone else listening, but for me, I'm kind of a budget traveler, or at least maybe not in the last couple of years, but for the majority of my life, I've sort of been a budget traveler. And so I find myself, it's very easy to feel like I'm on this trip and 
I know I'm spending a lot of money, but I don't want to go overboard. So I might not cough up that extra 50 bucks for the tour. I might say, okay, I'm not going to go on the day trip because it's a little bit too much money. That's not the only reason, but that's definitely something that goes through my mind, or at least used to. I'm not so much like that anymore. But when I look back on it, you go so far. You're spending a lot of money. Like, what's an extra 50 bucks? Maybe you'll never go back there. I started thinking about this. I started coming up with more and more things that I regret on trips that I've taken. (laughs) Some hopefully I will go back to, but others I probably won't. Geez, I should have either planned better mm-hmm. or I should have just not been cheap about it or I should have just organized. Sometimes it's just a matter of organization. Yeah. Do you have any memories of that kind of thing? Well, I mean, I'm definitely a cheapskate. So <laughs> there's probably countless things I haven't done. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the hazard of the life of the artist. You got to really watch how much money you have at any given time. And I tend to really watch my budget and be extremely frugal. So I think that I don't even at times seek out possibilities because I've already feel like I've reached a limit by even going to this place. Mm-hmm. I'm much more likely to just wander the streets and not seek out these other things. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are examples where I could have done certainly more research or found a less budget friendly option that would have made an entire experience more pleasant (laughs) that's definitely possible yeah I mean I feel like just in general the times that I have splurged I'm not saying like helicopter we don't want to take the train let's take the helicopter that's not the type of splurge I'm talking about I'm talking about like oh let's take the tour yeah or let's pay the extra 15 euros to like go to the top of the dome and see the view of the city or whatever you know that kind of thing there's not a single time at least not one that comes to me that I've ever regretted spending that extra money yeah but I think that's sort of like the famous adage you know that they always say you never regret what you do you regret what you don't do right for the most part that's what people say on their deathbeds right that's apparently what they say yeah although I guess if you don't make it to your deathbed like if you die because like you were parachuting Maybe you would have said, I regret I <laughs> I did regret the things that I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe it just depends on the type of life you lived. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, a, fine example, a fine example of what you're talking about is when you and I went to Orvieto. And we, you can go back and listen to this train trip that you and I took to Orvieto. And when we were there, you were telling me, let's go to the top of the clock tower. Let's just do it while we're here and I was like no it's too much money that's ridiculous how are they charging that much and you finally just say I'll pay for it (laughs) and that's how you got me to go up yeah I remember that now and I definitely need to not be so much like that probably I mean we had it was fun wasn't it I mean I have have some pictures of us from up there and I like those pictures and I like the memory of doing that. And it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was a great vantage. It was the only reason why I kind of feel like I have a grasp of how Orvieto is situated in Italy, Mm because you can see the entire surrounding countryside. Yeah. I would say worthwhile and memorable. Yeah, you you got You don't remember the money. You don't. You don't. I mean, even... I mean, and obviously, there are people who are in extremely tight budgets who maybe would miss that money. So I'm not going to say like, oh, you're never going to miss that money because maybe some people will. But in general, I feel like if there's something else that you can cut out to make up for it, if when you get home, instead of going 
out for coffee three mornings in a row, you have coffee at home. Like if that will make up for it, Mm. you're not going to miss those three coffees because you're going to have three more coffees next week. But you are going to say, oh, shoot, you know, I should have should have climbed to the top of the tower. Yeah, maybe. That's true. I mean, if you're me, you're going to think that. So one of my regrets, which isn't necessarily a money thing, is more of like, I didn't think about it. I didn't think it through. So in the summer of 2012, I went to Provence with my sister-in-law. And I'm really happy that we went because one of my close friends from graduate school was singing there. She's an opera singer and she was doing the, the famous... Ex en Provence Opera Festival, which is a big deal. And so when I heard about that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go see you in it. My husband couldn't make it. So my sister-in-law came with me and we had a great time. It was really, really fun. But we, we didn't have any transportation. And looking back, what an idiot. Why didn't I think of renting a car? I guess maybe because I drive in my daily life now in Italy and I didn't drive very much back then. I didn't even think of it. But like I saw, oh, we'll get around on the train. And we were able to get around a little bit on the train to and from the airport and stuff. And we went to Avignon to see the Papal Palace. What my sister-in-law particularly really wanted to see, and what I would have loved to see as well, were the fields of lavender. And it was summertime. We would have been able to like frolic in the lavender fields, like a postcard. And the, we had this one day in which... We weren't going to a show and we weren't going to Avignon. There was nothing else on our plan. Let's go visit some lavender fields. But we didn't realize it was a national holiday. I think it might have been the 14th of July. And there were no buses. There were no trains. There was a tiny, tiny little like regional bus. And we ended up getting lost and we ended up not getting to the right place. And it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And it was just a total letdown and total disappointment. You know... When am I going to be in Provence in early summer again? Maybe never. Why did I not just think to rent a car? The number one draw of Provence is the, is the freaking, <laughs> it's like the tulips in, in Holland. Like you got to see the tulips. You go to Holland in May, you got to freaking go see the tulips. It doesn't matter how many other people are there. You just got to do it. And I feel like that, and I missed out on that. And I really regret that. And it would have been so easy. All I would have had to have done was rent a car. Yeah. Why didn't I think of it? Well, just think how relaxed you would be after being amidst all that lavender. Yeah. (laughs) I might have fallen asleep on the drive back. But yeah, I would have been relaxing. But can you really regret something you didn't think of? I regret that I didn't think of it. Because I totally understand that that idea of your mind just didn't go there. You didn't think to do it. I don't know why she didn't think of it either. Yeah, but you can't. I'm just surprised that neither of us thought of it. Yeah. I mean, someday I'll make it back. I'm sure it's not that far away. It's not like it's in Japan or something. Mm -hmm. But I do regret that. Probably doesn't sound like a huge deal. But I regret not seeing those lavender fields. Yeah, I understand that. I sort of feel the same way a, a number of years ago. I forget what the conditions were, but for whatever reason, there was a big, huge flower bloom in Death Valley here in the States. Mm. Everybody was writing about what an extraordinary time it was to go there because the valley was blooming in a way that had never bloomed in recent memory. And I kept thinking, I should really make a trip to go down there. And it was just like one of those things where I really, really wanted to see it, but I just couldn't step far enough out of life to make myself get in a car and drive for a couple days to go drive through it. Yeah. So now I have no idea what it was actually like or if it would have been worthwhile. But I do remember 
that that was something I really wanted to see and maybe we'll never get a chance to see it again. It was at the time a highly unusual event from what I read. Yeah, kind of like the eclipse. Yeah, like I didn't do that either. (laughs) (laughs) Derek went and I didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that on the show. We did. We had a whole episode about the eclipse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have any any of those types of situations. I'm sure I do. I just, none are coming to mind. Um, Another, I'm the type of person who like, I get something in my head, it gets fixed in my head and I can't swerve from that kind of. So I have this book called, it's called something like 1000 Places to See Before You Die. Have you seen this book? Oh yeah, of course. It's kind of like a coffee table book sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, back in 2008, eight, I think I decided for whatever reason I was going to go to Portugal by myself. And so I was looking through this book about like the things to do in Portugal, like just to get some ideas beyond just the guidebook. And they talked about this forest, this forest in Northern Portugal that I don't know, I guess the guy who wrote it just wrote it in this incredibly captivating way that just made it sound like an enchanted forest the number of different types of trees. And it was this land that the Pope, I don't know what the Pope had to do with it, but some Pope had basically said it was protected. And if you cut down a tree in this forest, you would be executed. And I don't know what, it just kind of fired my imagination. And I wanted to go to this forest and I wanted to sit in the middle of this forest by myself and just be one with nature. But for whatever reason, I didn't consider Porto. So I went to Lisbon. I loved Lisbon. I went to the beach. That was quite frankly disappointing because it was April. It was the ocean. So it was cold. It was kind of lonely. It wasn't a very nice beach town. There was nobody there. You know how beach towns are in the off season. I made my way up to Coimbra, which is the closest town to this forest. And I remember I was staying at this really cute little guest house. It was like a bed and breakfast and everybody was having breakfast together. They were all kind of like looking at me oddly, like, what is this single woman doing by herself in Coimbra, Portugal? It's not really the hugest travel meta. I can't remember the name of the forest. We'll look it up and put it in the show notes. It's something with a B. I'm going to the such and such forest. Everyone's like, huh, interesting. Okay. No one had ever heard of it. And so I like get myself a bus or whatever. I make it there. And honestly, like it was a friggin' forest. It was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was a forest. Like, what? Like, there's no difference between this forest and any number of forests in Italy, in Washington State, like in New York State. Like, there's, it was a freaking forest. Maybe there was like one fountain in it that was semi interesting, but it was so not at all worth going to. It is definitely not one of the 1,000 places you need to see before you die. You, you can totally <laughs> die without seeing this place. <laughs> All right? I want to say it's called the Borasco Forest. But I, will, I will check that. Something like the Borasco Forest. Yes. And now I see people posting, I saw some people posting recently on Instagram a photo of Porto. And I mean, it just looks wonderful. And I'm like, why didn't I go to Porto? Why did I go to the friggin' Borasco Forest? <laughs> it was a forest. And I did sit in the middle of the forest and I did soak up the nature. But I mean, I could have done that. In Washington State. Yeah, I could have done <laughs> yeah. that anywhere. I could have done that 20 minutes outside of Rome uh-huh. or less. So yeah. that's a kind of a, a regret thing that I did do. But <laughs> mostly because I could have done something else. Yeah, if it's going to be the 1,000 places to see before you die, you should have been greeted at the forest by a magical stag or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
was like, get on my back. I'll take you on an epic journey. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. That's too bad. I don't know why I, I felt like it was going to be more magical than it was. Well, you better find that writer and give him a piece of your mind, I feel. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. That story did not go where I thought you were going with it. I thought you were going <laughs> to say that you never got to the forest and you've always regretted it. But no, <laughs> you got to the forest and you regretted it. <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Do you have any of these regrets? I don't have one that is like the magical forest that wasn't magical in the end, but I, it's sort of opposite. It's actually more of a tale of like where I didn't spend the right money. Remember way back in the show about animals that we did and I talked about being in that shark cage? Yeah. That was definitely a place I wanted to be in a place I have no regrets having done. I got into a shark cage in Shark Alley off the coast of South Africa. What I messed up with is I probably didn't pick the most reputable company to do that with. I thought it was, and it's so hard to know from afar. But as the uh, experience goes on, (laughs) I mean, they made a number of mistakes. Like the water was extremely choppy that day. I don't know if it's always like that. And I don't know sailing to save my life. So I don't know if anything could have been done. But it was so nauseating that the majority of the people on the boat were puking the entire time. Oh, my God. They also fed us scrambled eggs prior to this excursion, which probably in hindsight was not the best idea. (laughs) And they were throwing blood into the water. So if you can imagine, like, if you were one of the people that was seasick and barfing all the smell of dead fish and blood and guts everywhere oh i was gonna go a different way with that what if you're like hanging your head over the side of the boat to throw up and like a shark jumped out and bit your head off (laughs) well that would have been incredible (laughs) but i mean and because everybody was throwing up so much those of us who weren't throwing up me and a couple other people nobody wanted to go in the water again because they were also sick and so They were like, well, who wants to go back in the water? And all of us who were not sick were like, yeah, put me back in the shark cage. But the water was only maybe 40 degrees, possibly colder. It was freezing in that water. And they, because nobody else wanted to go, left us in the cage for something like... 45 minutes. There wasn't like a signal you could be like, get me out of here? Uh, I mean, I probably we could have started screaming maybe. (laughs) There wasn't like an emergency signal they had given you? No. It seems like that would be like a basic thing. Like you're in a shark cage, you're underwater, you've got sharks near you. We were in a shark cage that was lashed to the outside of a boat. So we could stand up in it and get air. Okay, but But you couldn't get your whole body out of the water. Yeah, but still, even if you could get air, that's not the only... Not getting air is not the only emergency when it comes to being around sharks. What if like one of the bars had pulled off and you're like, oh, help, the bar is gone. You had no like emergency signal to the guys driving the boat. To me, that's insane. Yeah, you would have thought. But it, it was also this mix too, because it's such an amazing experience. Like when you're under the water and you're seeing these giant 12 foot, 14 foot sharks in the green murky depths swimming around you or like crashing into you in some cases the pull between wanting to stay in and watch versus the i can no longer feel the lower half of my body (laughs) it's you know kind of 50 50 in a way i don't really want this experience to end but i they really should have gotten us out of the water by now i mean we survived i definitely don't regret the experience i think my sister listening my sister sarah who you all have now met and my father both of whom were puking on each other, 
probably regretted that circumstance a little bit more than I did. But I still say I should have done my research a little bit more and probably should have picked a more expensive company, possibly. Yeah, sometimes it pays to pay, really. <laughs> when your life is in danger and you're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of sharks. There were hundreds of them? I mean, you only see them one at a time, but it's one of the areas of the world with the largest shark, great white shark densities. Yeah, see, I just can't even fathom doing that ever. I think I'm a above averagely, above averagely, is that a word? No. <laughs> I think I, I'm, I'm above average brave. Okay, that works. Not that I'm like a daredevil, but I'm above average. But that is something that I could never do ever. Why? It's not like it's really dangerous. Well, first of all, you never know. Okay. True. I've seen yeah. Jaws. You know what that thing can do? Yeah, it was a robotic shark, though. I know, but everything is possible, Katie. <laughs> not everything is possible. Uh, lots of things are possible. He would not eat half of a boat. It could be a mutant shark. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the point is, I'm the type of person who, when I'm water skiing in Lake Washington, which is where I grew up, every so often I'll get in the water, getting my skis on, and I'll think to myself, Oh my gosh, remember that movie Lake Placid with the giant crocodile who lives in the freshwater lake? There's probably a giant crocodile underneath me right now. now. <laughs> and like, I believe it. In my mind, I believe it for that moment. <laughs> yes. And I have these kind of irrational fears. And the sharks, same thing. I've been afraid of sharks since I think I knew what they were. Always been afraid of sharks. Mm. Even though there's a cage, I I, I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. There's no... It's like having like a tarantula crawl on me. It goes beyond fear and it's terror. Mm -hmm. Like I could lose my mind, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There are certain things. Interesting. We'll move on. But if you want to uh, hear the screams of a shark crashing into a cage, go back to episode, I think, 52 or something like that. Because of course Katie taped it. Well, I didn't of tape course. it, but I did buy the video of the experience. <laughs> that was one of the places where I splurged because I'm like, I'm going to need the audio of this someday. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. What was your other What was your other story? My other one is, so I don't want to sound too first world problems when I talk about this because at the end of the day, I'm an extremely fortunate person for all of the traveling that I have done. Mm -hmm. And so I don't discount that in any way. I had an invitation years ago to go with a friend to Thailand. This friend of mine had another friend who had a sailboat. He was going to be sailing down the coast of Thailand and into Malaysia. This friend invited my friend and my friend invited me to come along. And I did. And I'm so happy that I went because it was an amazing experience. But what happened was we fly to Bangkok. We spend a couple days visiting Bangkok. And then we go down to Phuket, which is where this boat was docked and where we were going to be departing from. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Thailand. Yes. Phuket is a very touristy place. I think it's like a peninsula that kind of sticks out. And it's very, very touristy. It's not got the same quality of beaches as maybe some of the little tiny islands. But it's still freaking Thailand. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's still really nice. But our point was not to spend any time there. Our point was that we were going to be getting on this boat and heading down to Malaysia. Well, there was a problem with the boat. It wasn't ready. What was supposed to be one or two nights in Phuket turned into a week. Mm. Now, we were really lucky that we had a lot of time. We just had this kind of like open time that was unscheduled. So I was lucky for that. But 
every day we thought we were leaving the next day. So we didn't really do anything. Like we didn't make any plans. We didn't say, okay, hey, let's go visit such and such island in the meantime. I did decide to take a scuba diving class, which I'm really glad that I did because I ended up doing more of that and I loved it. With the exception of my scuba diving class, we basically did nothing. We had a scooter for some reason, a borrowed scooter from somebody. And we were staying at this hotel that was right by where the boat docks are. We had chosen this hotel on purpose because it was right by where we were supposed to leave from. And it had a pool that was fine, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't on the beach. And I don't think we went to the beach one time. We didn't go to the beach. At the time, I wasn't really worried about it. I wanted to get going. I wanted to get on this boat. I wanted to go sailing. And we ended up eventually leaving and I had an amazing time and saw some amazing places, really amazing places, some of which were very, very difficult to access from any other way besides from a boat. But later, I started to see photographs of Phuket, not where I was, (laughs) but really nice places, really nice beaches, really nice restaurants, really nice resorts. Here I was in this paradise for a week And I was sitting in this very mediocre hotel pool. You know, I could have been on this pristine, empty beach, sipping a margarita, or probably not a margarita, but some other tropical type drink (laughs) in this gorgeous place for probably not very much money because Thailand is not very expensive. Why did I not know Mm -hmm. that this place had so much to offer? I kind of discounted it. I kind of was like oh, this is just a tourist trap and there's not really anything nice here. And if you don't go to Koh Samui, you don't, you're not going to see any nice beaches. And it wasn't true. There were plenty of gorgeous places there if I had just cared to look for them. You sort of treated it like it was just a port. I did. I did because that's what I experienced of it. I only experienced the port side of it. I just didn't know. It was ignorance and, and it was my own fault because I could have just, all I had to do was look up some things to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I didn't. That was like a regret of laziness, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things like that, too. I don't even know if I could recall a lot of those. The regret of laziness. You know me, I'm not really a planner. So it's good and it's bad. I love kind of going along with what other people want to do. I think that people always come up with something I wouldn't think to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, that means that occasionally... I could have really looked into something really cool to do that I didn't do. And I'm trying to be better about that. Force myself out of that habit. The only example I have of that was our family took a trip to Hawaii. Some of you might remember my story about the baby eel. (laughs) The baby eel, I remember that. Yeah, so that trip we could all go to Hawaii because a friend of my parents had offered to let us use their house and stuff. So we had done all these things to make it affordable to go as a group. But I totally changed my behavior pattern and said, I don't know if anybody else wants to go with me, but I am definitely going out on a boat while we're here. I'm going to go snorkeling out there. And if anybody wants to come, you're welcome to come. And that was highly unusual for me. I researched what boat I was going to get on the whole nine yards. And I suppose the shark cage is the only other example I can point to where that was definitely my idea. And other people followed me along on that on that adventure that's cool i'm sure there are other ones but who knows nothing comes to mind i find that whenever i travel alone i'm like like a super traveler and i think it's because when you're traveling alone 
you have a lot less to do just because you don't have a person to like sit and chat with. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have like a person to sit over lunch for two hours and chat with. You go to have lunch and like in 15 minutes, you're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, so you just have more time. It's kind of lonely to travel alone sometimes. So, you know, might want to fill that time. Mm-hmm. True. I think the first time trip I ever took alone was to Vienna. I was there for a long time. I want to say five full days at least. And I think I saw every single thing you can see in Vienna three things a day, three, four things a day. And then like every single night I went to some kind of opera or symphony concert or something. I did that city from top to bottom. So I think sometimes traveling alone pushes you to like make your own plans, do your own research because you can't rely on anyone else. So maybe you should travel alone more. Maybe. When we first decided to do this show and I was thinking, I can't think of a single thing I a regret. I was telling Tiffany, I hope you have stories because I cannot think think of a single thing. But I do think that actually, I definitely felt a sense of regret when I left New Orleans. And remember, I felt a sense of regret when I left Rome. And I think with both of them, and in New Orleans in particular, was I knew how difficult it would be for me to get back there. Living there for a month was not going to be a thing that I just got to do again sometime soon you know and I did have a really difficult time there when I first got there adjusting to it finding my way around figuring out how to make it work not feeling like I was totally alone and an outsider and I was finally sort of catching on and I freed up a lot of my phobias of marching in parades (laughs) and that become a part of what it was to be in New Orleans and Just like in Rome, as I was catching on and, oh, okay, I got this. I can do this. It was time for me to go. And I just remember being in the Uber or the in the lift with the girl on the way to the airport, (laughs) looking around and and even saying to her, yeah, I'm regretful to be leaving. I feel like I was really starting to like it. She pulled up to the airport and she said, now, you sure you want to go? And I remember just saying, no, I'm not sure I want to go, but what can you do? Gotta go. Time's up. So I don't know if that's so much of a regret, but that I felt regretful at that moment. Even that I wasn't staying till the next day, like the next day was November 1st, which was a big, a big day in uh, New Orleans. We had just had the high of Halloween and then we were coming into all saints day and all souls day and all that stuff and so it was going to be a big party continuing on and and i wasn't going to be there for it i didn't realize you flew out on halloween no i flew out the day after halloween okay yeah i was up until you know three in the morning and then had to get to the airport by something like 7 a.m oh geez still covered in glitter but i made it Now, you told, um, you told me that Derek has a travel regret to share. Yes. Do we have time to hear that? Yeah. On the rare occasion, I can get Derek to appear on this show. <laughs> Not as rare as Claudio. Uh, that's true. But after much convincing, I convinced Derek to tell this story. Let's hear it. So here we go. In 2008, after I got out of the Navy, I walked the Camino de Santiago, and I started from my home in Cambridge in the United Kingdom. And I spent about four months walking to Santiago on the coast of Spain. And the entire time, every day, I had a little Moleskine notebook like the size of your hand. And every day I would stop at the post office or the uh, the courthouse or a church or anywhere I could find and get someone to stamp my little book with the date and the name of the place. And I did this because it's traditional to have a 
they call it the credencial that basically proves that you walked the entire way and that you didn't just take a bus or something. So I was very proud of this little thing and it was kind of my prize memento of the whole trip, which as you can imagine was really the trip of a lifetime. And then when I got there, I um, was looking to shed all of this weight and all the clothes and things that I had hiked in for four months. And I put everything in the mail uh, in Spain and sent it back to my brother in Seattle. And I threw the little book in the package. And of course, it never arrived. So I don't know. I've always regretted that. I've never, I mean, it took up no space. It was no weight at all. I could have easily just carried it around with me for the next six months of travel. But for some reason, I just thought I would stick it in the box and mail it home. And it never got there. And I've always really regretted that. And the certificate? Yeah, you also get a certificate when you go to the cathedral there saying that you finished the pilgrimage. And I, I didn't keep that either. That was in the box. That's also gone. I have to say I really was bothered by this for a really long time. But eventually I sort of decided that it was the Camino's last lesson of helping me to let go of, <laughs> of everything, not be too attached to anything. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. That's so horrible. Especially knowing Derek, as I know him, and I know that he's the type of person who would care about that kind of thing more than your average person. Yes, he's very sentimental, and he's a certificate kind of guy. Yeah. He is the type of person who has his diploma from college framed, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where my diploma from college is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the difference, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so sad. And I mean, how much more important was that walk for him than college? Yeah, probably. It's a really, really sad story. I just don't understand, like, why it got lost. Why? Yeah. I'm, I'm upset for him. Is it too late? Could it possibly show up? Oh, no. It's, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been years and years. Maybe and it'll years. end up being one of those stories where you hear those stories every now and then where this long lost soccer ball from Japan yeah. that this child loved so much washed up on the shores of the Pacific Northwest and after 25 years was returned to its rightful owner. Yeah, it could happen. It, it could have fallen out of an airplane, like the cargo plane that was carrying it. <laughs> like some kids in Kansas found it. and All along you know. they've been wondering, I wonder who this stuff belongs to. <laughs> well, tell him I'm sorry, but I love his comment about how it was the Camino trying to teach him. I don't know how, I remember how he put it, not hold on. It, to let go. To let go. To not be so worried about the physical things. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, he has that experience. It doesn't take anything away from the fact that he had the experience. Yeah. That he doesn't have that stuff. Just like if you lose your diploma, it doesn't mean you didn't go to college. Exactly. Well, should we leave it there? We shall. Feel free to send us your travel regrets. We did get a few stories from you, but I had to look back over Tiffany's criteria that it wasn't a fiasco of regret because of things that were a pain in the butt. We got a lot of good pain in the butt stories. <laughs> <laughs> we can always do an episode on that. Travel disasters, travel catastrophes. I like your take on it better because it's a little less complainy. Yeah. Because sometimes the minutia and the annoyances of travel are so annoying but they're not so interesting to hear about yes. on the back end like That's if i recount true. to you how delayed i was in the airport it's sort of interesting but after all <laughs> you're like i get it you had to wait for six hours okay <laughs> you got there you were alive when you got there okay it was all right things worked out okay <laughs> 
But if you have a travel regret, opportunities you could have taken that you didn't or things like that, lavender fields you could have run through, <laughs> feel free to send us an email at bittersweetlifeatmail.com or hit us up on any of the socials. Do you want to tell them how to do that? Well, you just search for the Bittersweet Life podcast. You'll find us. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yes. We're out there lurking like long lost friends. <laughs> We're out there lurking like Derek's missing certificate from the Camino <laughs> <del> Santiago. <laughs> and uh, join us again. This has been a lot of fun. Good idea. Good topic idea, Tiffany. Thanks. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and for telling a friend about the show. And thank you for your support financially. We can't wait to write you a handwritten thank you note to show you how much it means to us. You are spreading the word and supporting the show financially directly affects whether or not this program continues. So if you love it, support it. Find a donate link at thebittersweetlife.net or in our show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.